Welcome to another week of This Week in Royal History, where we explore the personal stories, triumphs, and tragedies of the royal figures who have shaped the course of history, delving into their fascinating lives and the legacies they left behind. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your French hoods, because we're diving into the life of a French princess turned Spanish queen. Elizabeth of Valois was born into royalty on the 2nd of April in 1545, as the eldest daughter of King Henry II of France and Catherine de' Medici. She was close to Mary, Queen of Scots, so close that they even shared a bedroom growing up. (laughs) Talk about a royal sleepover. But things got even more interesting when Elizabeth married Philip II of Spain at the age of 14. Let's just say there was a big age gap, with Philip being 32 at the time of their marriage. This was Philip's third time at the altar, having lost his previous wife, Mary I of England, to illness. Elizabeth went on to give birth to five daughters, but sadly, only two survived infancy. Tragically, Elizabeth died at the age of 23 due to complications from childbirth. Her infant daughter also passed away. Despite her short time on earth, Elizabeth left quite the legacy as a French princess turned Spanish queen. Get ready to dive into some juicy Tudor history, friends. Arthur Tudor, born on the night of September 19th, or 20th, in 1486, was the first child of King Henry VII of England and Elizabeth of York. And let's just say, he was a pretty big deal. His birth solidified the union of the House of York and Lancaster, two royal families who had been at odds for ages. From the get-go, Arthur held the title of Duke of Cornwall and was also Prince of Wales. He was being groomed for greatness, but things really took a turn when he was betrothed to Catherine of Aragon. Catherine was the daughter of Ferdinand of Aragon and Isabella I of Castile, also known as the Catholic Monarchs of Spain. Talk about a royal match. Arthur and Catherine settled at Ludlow Castle, but sadly, their happily ever after was cut short when they both came down with an unknown illness. Catherine managed to recover, but tragically, Arthur passed away on the 2nd of April, 1502, at the age of 15. 
He was laid to rest at Worcester Cathedral, and his young brother Henry became the new heir to the throne of England. But despite his short life, Arthur's legacy lived on. His younger brother Henry went on to become one of the most famous, or infamous, monarchs in English history, King Henry VIII. And if you know anything about Henry VIII, you know he had quite the colorful life. Let me tell you about Lady Maud Duff, the ultimate royal fashionista. She was born on the 3rd of April, 1893, to Alexander Duff, 1st Duke of Fife, and Princess Louise of Wales. With the future Edward VII as her grandfather and Queen Victoria as her great-grandmother. That's some royal lineage. At her birth, she was sixth in line to the throne, and even though she wasn't originally styled a princess, she became one in 1905 after her mother was created Princess Royal by Edward VII. From then on, she was known as Princess Maud and styled Her Highness, making her and her sister Alexandra the only female line descendants to be granted the use of royal titles. In November 1923, Maud tied the knot with Charles, Lord Carnegie, in a stylish ceremony at the Royal Military Chapel in London. Together, they had a son born in 1929. After the wedding, she dropped her royal title and went by Lady Maud Carnegie. But that didn't stop her from being the talk of the town. She was a regular at court with the royal family and attended the coronation of both George V and VI. But Maud's love for fashion was truly what set her apart. She was known for her impeccable style, always wearing the latest trends and setting new ones herself. Her wardrobe was the envy of many, and she wasn't afraid to take risks and wear bold colors and patterns. In fact, she was often featured in fashion magazines of the time, and her looks were the inspiration for many. Sadly, Maud's reign as a fashion icon was cut short when she passed away on the 14th of December, 1945, at the age of 52, after battling acute bronchitis. All right, I hope you're ready for this next one, because this one is going to be a wild ride. Victoria of Hessen by Rhine was born on the 5th of April, 1863, and she was not your typical princess. For starters, her maternal grandmother was none other than Queen Victoria herself, who was present at her birth in Windsor Castle. Talk about a royal entrance. Victoria grew up in Darmstadt with her sister Elizabeth until the age of 18 when she was sent to Britain during the Prussian invasion of Hesse. But that's just the beginning of the drama. In 1878, when Victoria was just 15 years old, tragedy struck her family when they all came down with diphtheria. Her mother and youngest sister, Marie, tragically died from the illness. Victoria, being the eldest daughter, was suddenly thrust into the role of caregiver for her younger siblings. She became a mother to them before she even became a wife and mother herself. Fast forward to April 1884 when Victoria married her cousin, Prince Louis of Battenberg. They had a love-filled marriage and four beautiful children together. But things took a turn when World War I began, and Louis lost his Navy position due to his German background. To avoid discrimination, the family changed their name from Battenberg to Mountbatten, which we recognize to this day. 
But the twists and turns didn't end there. In 1917, Victoria's two sisters, Elizabeth and Alex, were murdered during the Russian Revolution, and her brother Louis was deposed as Grand Duke of Hesse. Then, in 1937, tragedy struck again, when her granddaughter, nephew, and two great-grandchildren were killed in a plane crash on their way to Britain. Can you believe this? It's like a soap opera. Through it all, Victoria remained a strong and resilient woman. She spent her widowhood at Kensington Palace, where she survived a bombing during World War II and had to take refuge at Windsor Castle. She passed away on the 24th of September, 1950, at 87 years old, leaving behind a rich legacy. And here's an interesting tidbit. Victoria was the maternal grandmother of Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, husband to Queen Elizabeth II. Let me tell you the story of Charles VIII of France, a king who had big ambitions, but not so much luck. Charles was born as the only surviving son of Louis XI of France and Charlotte of Savoy. He became king at the age of 13 in 1483. But wait, there's more. His elder sister Anne ruled as regent until he turned 21 years old. Now let's talk about Charles's love life. At the age of three, he was betrothed to Margaret of Austria, daughter of the future Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian I. But the engagement was called off in 1491 when Charles decided to marry Anne, Duchess of Brittany, instead. Anne had been set to marry Margaret's father, Maximilian, but Charles's sister couldn't let that happen, as it would mean that the Habsburgs would surround France. To ensure that it didn't happen, Anne, who was regent of France, invaded and forced Anne of Brittany to renounce her marriage by proxy to Maximilian. Talk about a dramatic love triangle, huh? But Charles didn't just have his eyes on marriage, he also had his sights set on the kingdom of Naples, which he believed he had a claim to through his paternal grandmother. In 1494, he invaded Italy to press his claim, and at first, his campaigns into the peninsula were successful. But his army was eventually driven out by mid-July 1495, and he lost everything he had gained previously. And just like that, the Great Wars of Italy, or the Habsburg-Valois Wars, began, lasting for another 50 years. Sadly, Charles's life came to an end in a rather unusual way. On the 7th of April, 1498, he died after hitting his head on a door lintel at the chateau where he was born. Despite his short reign, Charles had seven children with Anne, but they all died young. He was succeeded by his cousin and brother-in-law, Louis XII of France, who later went on to marry Charles's widow, Anne, in 1499. Talk about keeping it in the family. All right, I hope you're ready because we're going to be diving into the world of Spanish royalty. On the 8th of April, 1605, a little baby boy named Philip was born to Philip III of Spain and Margaret of Austria. Little did anyone know that he would grow up to be the future Philip IV of Spain, but we'll get to that part later. Philip got hitched to a lucky gal named Elizabeth of France. Talk about a young love affair. They went on to have seven children, with only two surviving infancy. 
To make matters even more complicated, after the death of his wife and son, Philip decided to marry his own niece, Maria Anna of Austria. Yikes. They had five children, but again, only two made it to adulthood. But enough about his family drama, let's talk about his royal reign. At the age of 16, Philip took the throne and relied heavily on his chief minister to get the job done. He faced some serious challenges like the Thirty Years' War, the Spanish-French War, and rebellions in Portugal. By the end of his reign, Spain was pretty much limping along and Portugal had gained its independence. Philip passed away on the 17th of September, 1665, at the age of 60. Here's a fun fact to lighten the mood after that. Philip was a lover of the arts and had Diego Velazquez as his court painter. Can you imagine having your own personal artist? Wouldn't that be great? Get ready to hear about the life and times of Claudia Felicitas of Austria, Holy Roman Empress. She was born on the 30th of May, 1653, to Ferdinand Charles, Archduke of Austria, and Anna de Medici. Her parents were double first cousins, which meant that both sets of her grandparents were siblings to each other. That's what you call keeping it in the family. Claudia was their eldest daughter and the only one to survive adulthood. Unfortunately, she became the last member of the Tyrolean branch of the Habsburgs when her father passed away in 1662 and her uncle in 1665. But her mother was not going to let Claudia's rights to the county of Tyrol slip away that easily. Her mom tried to protect her rights to the county, which now fell under Emperor Leopold I. In October 1673, Claudia decided to tie the knot with her second cousin, Leopold I, Holy Roman Emperor. He was in desperate need of a male heir, and they were hoping to give him one. Together, they had two daughters, but sadly, both died in childhood. It might have had something to do with all the inbreeding. Just saying. Despite this setback, Claudia was influential over Leopold, and she was able to remove all political opponents from courts. The couple enjoyed a happy but short marriage until she passed away on the 8th of April, 1676, of tuberculosis at 22 years old. Claudia Felicitas may have had a brief life, but her impact on the Habsburgs and her husband's reign was significant. Well, that concludes this week in royal history. I hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up a little tidbit that you want to go and investigate yourself now. I'd like to give a quick shout out to all of my new March Patreon patrons, Elizabeth S, Bobby B, Jim D, and Kristen R. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Rebecca Larson. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.